Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Here we are in another episode of the Lead Today show. I'm really looking forward to this episode because I'm using my new Rode microphone. This is not an ad. I'm simply trialing it out because... Well, one, my lovely husband bought me the mic. Uh, two, we've raised money on the coffee platform from supporters like you listening to the podcast who have donated a $5 coffee or more or on the monthly subscription. And so we finally reached a level of donations where we could purchase the mic. So he went out today and got it for me and I thought it would be fitting since today is Monday and that's the day that we record the show. So I'm learning. It might not be perfect. I have it on the box actually and the window's open with some birds chirping. So let's see how the quality is. I did get feedback. We just had our second wedding in Switzerland and I got feedback from one of Fab's friends about podcasts and how annoying it is when the audio quality isn't good because you're listening literally the entire time. And I can't say I'm not picky personally, or maybe I just listen to good shows that are produced well and I don't realize that they're just so good. So hopefully this improves your listening experience to some measurable degree that you enjoy listening to the show even more. I'd appreciate any feedback you have, and we have a spot to do that in the show notes, so if you want to let me know how it's going, I'm always open to feedback. I love making this show better and better every episode. Today, I really want to chat about something controversial. Um, It's something that, yeah, I mean, let's just get into it. So, because of all the health issues I've had growing up, and I would say I lived a pretty normal childhood as adolescence. It's not anything extraordinary or a terminal condition, thank God. I just dealt with seasonal allergies as a kid and painful periods, as you know, if you listen to the show. Rarely got sick with colds or anything like that. And, you know, a couple of sprained ankles, whatever. I mean, not, I can't say that I've had any terrible bouts of health problems other than my period to date. However, in my family, there is a certain propensity toward arthritis, for example. Um, Other family members, we don't really have cancer in the family. One family member, just trying to think. It's, It's not that we have very pervasive health issues, but every family member as they age has always gotten some sort of thing. I mean, again, very lucky. My family member's all my grandparents live, lived or are living over 85, so they're brilliant. And <laughs> here's Max showing up to say hey. So I'm lucky in the health department. And in the interview with Raymond Nichols, Dr. Raymond Nichols, you would have heard a little bit about my three-day water fast if you listened, and a little bit about this idea of changing your generational health story. Essentially, the idea being that just because your family, your parents have some sort of what they call a genetic predisposition to certain conditions, and therefore you do, the thought is that if you actually change your lifestyle and your daily 
daily behaviors, choices, food intake that you don't necessarily have to turn on those genes. Then we get into the study of epigenetics. I'm not an expert there, but the thought is that just because your parents or your grandparents or all your uncles or aunts have a certain condition, it doesn't mean that you're doomed to failure. It actually, you do have a choice and it makes sense and is quite useful to be very conscious of the things that might show up in your path based on your family history. So with that being said, I'm aware that arthritis might be a thing. I've seen my seasonal allergies. I've seen uh, some heart issues develop, some cancer. Again, largely healthy, healthy group. But I've seen a couple of illnesses that really worry me. Oh, and I totally forgot about my car accident. Yeah, I guess it wasn't really an illness. It was more of an event. But certainly traumatic brain injuries are something to put on the radar. It'll be a totally different episode. So actually, that's that's an important point though. Because I sustained a traumatic brain injury, that really caused me to look at inflammation in the brain. I have a higher susceptibility to dementia down the road. These are things that are well known as higher risk factors because of the inflammation in the brain. And they're calling things like Alzheimer's and dementia a type 3 diabetes. So a wonderful doctor that I've been seeing in Canada, Dr. Larry Comer, um, he's a hormonal specialist and specializes in hormones, but then also traumatic brain injuries and the sort of interplay between hormones and what happens when you sustain a brain trauma. And he told me, I saw him starting about a year ago, and he said, look, keto is the way to go, high fat, moderate protein, low carb. I thought that's sort of extreme. How am I possibly going to do that? Like, I'll try, you know? And I sort of ham-handedly had my way at it. And my entire life, my weight has fluctuated. It's been an incredibly challenging affair for me because it's either been heavily restrictive and then I've been starving or it's been eat whatever I want. And so I, you know, it's not really a middle ground. And even if there feels like there's a middle ground, if I drank alcohol or there was sugar intake, it was always sort of either I'm allowing myself the things I want or I'm not and I'm going to be extremely strict. And that relationship with food, I don't know that I would call it unhealthy or healthy. Everything's a spectrum in health. But certainly I wasn't particularly pleased with the way that I was handling my intake of food. It wasn't conscious necessarily. I had a lot of swings and cravings and things I wanted. I attributed it to my hormones and my menstrual cycle and oh I'm just supposed to crave all of these carbs at this time in my cycle. It's normal. I read books. They said that. So I just corroborated it with the evidence that I had. Fine. I'm going to eat a lot of carbs this week and then not going to eat a lot that week and it's just going to be cyclical. Then I went down the road thanks to Michaela Peterson, Tammy Peterson, Jordan Peterson and what they have been doing is a carnivore diet and Michaela Peterson has coined the term lion diet which is even more extreme eating only ruminant meats mainly beef and lamb. You'll hear more well a little bit more from Tammy in next week's episode which is very exciting. She'll be sharing a lot mainly about spirituality and her journey and a lot of wisdom there but there is a bit of a piece at the end about her dietary choices and how she believes they've influenced her health and recovery so for me again right it felt like okay keto feels really open-ended 
70, 80, 90% fat. What does that mean? I can't just eat 10 avocados. It felt very vague. I didn't know how to follow those rules. And so after the toxic mold exposure at the Airbnb that I mentioned a few episodes ago, I was really feeling like I wanted a detox and I didn't know what to do. And a lot of the tea or juice pills, all these cleanses where you spend a lot of money to take these items, it didn't feel, didn't feel like a fit. And so that's when I embarked upon the three-day water fast. Perhaps I'll do a more in-depth episode there on my results every day and what happened and how it felt. But essentially, day two was my peak. So hours sort of 48 in and around the 48-hour range, I felt amazing. Mental clarity, physical peak of energy. It was brilliant. For me, day three, sort of 64 two hours or 60 hours or so it was really becoming difficult and I felt sort of the physical strain it felt like a strain on my system at that point now I know there are doctors that will do 40-day water cleanse I am definitely not a medical professional if you're going to embark on this certainly talk to somebody that has the credentialing and the experience maybe even do it medically supervised for me three-day fast I embarked upon it on my own but after that, after the three-day fast, and I, I had been reading about carnivore only, and it's also a higher fat but protein-based diet, and I thought, wow, you know, this is completely against anything I've ever heard of when it comes to healthy eating, right? It's like cholesterol is the enemy, butter, and any kind of fat is the enemy, eat plants, be vegan or vegetarian, save the planet, don't eat meat, right? This is a dialogue that I had heard. I had, I had been vegetarian and vegan for over a year, the two combinations, so I didn't eat meat for a year. And after that time, after that year, I had noticed that I was nearly anemic. Um, I was extremely fatigued. My hair was falling out, like I was not really in a good state. And so I'm not vilifying a vegan or vegetarian diet. I think if done correctly with the right nutrients, potentially supplements for vitamins that cannot be um, gotten from a plant-only diet, I know there are ways. I'm certain there are ways. And I'm not here to vilify that way of going about your diet if you think that's right for you. However, I noticed that I was really weak and I didn't feel myself. I didn't have energy and I had been gaining weight. And it was like, what am I, what's, what am I doing wrong, right? Why is this happening? Carbs are not really working. I constantly feel sluggish. The weight's piling on. Weight is not the only indicator, but it was this general feeling of being unhealthy that at 28, 29 years old, just doesn't make sense, right? I mean, I should be healthy. I should feel good. And so from... The feedback that I'd received from the brain trauma specialist around a ketogenic diet, plus the carnivore diet and doctors like Dr. Saladino, Paul Saladino, I embarked upon after the three-day water fast at least 30 days of carnivore. So I thought, okay, I'll give it 30 days. I've been extreme before, as I've mentioned, and I, I, mean, I can imagine my cousin in my head right now just saying, like, you are always all in on things. I totally am can't help it. So I went all in on this. I went all in on this because I think that it's worth a shot. 
because the research that I've done indicates a lot of things. I'll make a few key points and you can do your own research if it's something you want to delve into more. And because I feel like I've turned every rock over to try and fix the symptoms of both my traumatic brain injury, concussion symptoms can last two years plus. This is not a short game just because the insurance from the car accident stops paying after two years for your health care costs and medical costs. I assure you, it is a long-term gig. Anybody that sustained a traumatic brain injury, my heart is with you. And it's a challenging, challenging thing to go through because you look completely fine. Everybody thinks you're all right. And yet, it's sort of like your gas tank just empties a lot quicker than it used to. And your senses are more sensitive to sound, to noise, like sharp, no you know, sudden noises or bright lights really changed my world. And so I was ready for anything. I really was. After this toxic mold exposure and feeling that was crazy. I was ravenous. I was so hungry while I was in the Airbnb with mold that nothing could sustain me. I was never full. And I thought, this is something's got to give. So three-day water fast and then embarking on a 30-day carnivore journey. And let's see how it goes, right? I mean, if I'm wrong, that's fine. But if I feel better, because there are thousands of people that have switched to this diet and feel better from rheumatoid arthritis, um, healing from cancers, being overweight and just getting fit and healthy and feeling vibrant again, acne, eczema, other skin issues, asthma. And of course, right, there are lots of people go vegan and say the same thing that they've healed from a wide variety of conditions. So this is all about you and your individual approach. Some things that I found interesting. One, the argument around sustainable farming. And so, okay, particularly I'm eating beef or veal, so cows and lamb. Sometimes a bit of seafood or salmon if it's sustainably caught. Or I tried I tried um, shrimps and it wasn't ideal. Like a kind of... So what I'm doing is I'm testing. I get these allergy symptoms if I eat certain things. So dairy, for example, I get allergy symptoms like I did when I was a kid. And then if I let it fade for 24 hours, they're gone. And then I tried sea, um, shrimp yesterday. Boom! The allergy symptoms come back up. 24 hours later fade it's fascinating how responsive my body has become because i'm only feeding it one type of fuel this is just my idea and again my idea of of testing things out and this is extreme i will reiterate it's extreme and this is an elimination diet for a reason i'm in a place where gut dysbiosis weight gain fatigue not feeling myself just I can't even explain to you the feeling when you have inflammation I mean maybe you've experienced it yourself but my body feeling inflamed my joints feeling old you know like I was feeling my flexibility my mobility things were just declining and I am not saying that the first 30 days of carnivore have been smooth sailing I'm on day 20 or so and there are things to look out for so I will be sure to share those in just a second but this, the purpose of this for me is, one, to eliminate everything but still be nutritionally sustained. And I'll explain what I'm eating to do that in a second. Two, to, yes, 
lose weight, but to lower the inflammation. And so I have done recent blood work. I will have markers for this. I will be able to attest to whether or not it's doing something. I don't believe in just, okay, how you feel is important, but I wanted to see the scientific side of things, the chemical composition of my blood, what's actually going on in my blood afterwards. Has my iron deficiency resolved? Has my vitamin D deficiency resolved? What's going on? And of course, I recognize I'm recording this in the summer, so I've been exposed to a lot more sun which is a huge, that's the best source of vitamin D. But so I want to see, I want to see what's going on. Maybe that influences also where I live, right? It's not just about carnivore, but back to some points where I found it fascinating and thought provoking at the very least. One, this idea of sustainable farming. I am consuming beef and sheep or, or lamb mainly. I am consuming those two things locally. They are farmed and produced within a hundred kilometers max of where I am living. So wherever I am, I'm getting local beef or local lamb. I'm going to a local butcher where, and by the way, I'm incredibly lucky um, and grateful that I'm in Switzerland where the quality of farming, animal farming in particular, is astounding. Animals are grazing, they're using natural grazing patterns, they're out and about, you see them everywhere when you go on a drive. So very different from, you know, mass-produced hormone or antibiotic-injected beef. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm paying a premium, I'm very grateful to do so, I'm able to do so because I'm not eating other things, which helps on the grocery bill. But I'm very lucky to, to be able to have that choice and that there's very sustainable and well-produced beef in this region. That being said, you look at a typical vegan or vegetarian diet, and this is not everyone, and if you're eating seasonally and locally, that's, that's great. Most vegans, vegetarians, are eating artificially created, plant-based, but often laden with chemical meat substitutes. They're eating products from all over the world that need to be transported. And often they're grown on huge, huge fields that are monocropped. So that land is no longer usable after a couple of seasons because they're only planting on one type of crop. So no matter if you're carnivore or vegan, vegetarian, paleo, whatever it is you're doing, if your argument toward sourcing and ethically sourced and responsibly sourced if that's your argument toward a certain dietary option it's not about oh it's not about meat versus plants it's more about you know i don't want to hurt animals and i don't want them to be tortured and it to be a terrible practice ruining the environment and the earth fair right valid i can i can hear that that being said some plant farming practices use more water use more chemicals for example almonds use a ton of water to mass produce almond milk and there are chemicals in almond milk that I had no... I was drinking almond milk like it was my job. It was in my coffee. It was in my tea. It was everywhere. I replaced milk completely thinking, yeah, this is it. Almonds, right? They're great. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not hurting the almonds. It's all good. But I was incorrect to some degree because the amount of water needed to produce almond milk is actually exorbitant. And growing almonds is a whole other episode. But nuts, seeds, plants, something like corn... We really need to look into the farming practices within North America and beyond. It's not just North America, but this is a farming practices globally question, not simply about animal products. 
So if we're going to go down the rabbit hole, we need to be fair and look at all sources of food and how they're being farmed, where they're being farmed, what the deal is. So if you're getting, you know, chia seeds from India, it's like there's a lot that's going into you getting chia seeds from India. Is that better than buying tomatoes locally? And we could have that debate and that's a longer, longer episode and discussion. But something to consider, right? I was actually interested to see that I could get beef products very locally that were farmed by farmers that are down the road, well-treated animals, and I have a reverence and respect for the fact that an animal is giving its life to me, for me, that I'm able to consume it. My point there would also be around organ meats. So if you look into Paul Saladino, and there are many other carnivore doctors, but he's, I think, quite intelligent and communicates fairly about this. It's very interesting to consume heart, liver, pancreas, spleen, brain, organs, bones, the tail. So really eating nose to tail is the principle there. And I think that's quite remarkable because, again, this is not about just eating a steak and throwing the rest in the garbage and being wasteful. This is about if I'm going to consume an animal, I want to be mindful and I want to eat what the animal has given me. So that was a secondary piece. The first was looking at the farming practices and just evaluating what I had believed for so long around veganism, vegetarianism, and how the farming of meat was brutal, but that plant farming was somehow completely untouchable. That's not the case. The second thing was looking at, okay, can I get a complete nutrient profile from eating animal products? Well, if you just eat steak, people have done it for years and been fine, but you need enough fat. There is the question of vitamin C. It's best from my research if you're able to eat organ meats as well as muscle meats. Muscle meats are not actually preferred ancestrally. Ancestrally speaking, humans valued and prioritized organ meats if they were available. So does that make this perfect? No. Do I understand I'm controversial in this? Yes. Is it helping my health? So far, so good. I've had a couple of challenges. Like not locking the door. <laughs> um, I've had a couple of challenges, and so I want to make sure I'm transparent about them. One, there's this whole notion of going on carnivore and having explosive diarrhea or constipation. I've had both, and let me tell you, it's an adventure. First two weeks, really challenging. <laughs> Extra challenging. If you want to hear um, some sort of honest opinion from Joe Rogan about a 30-day carnivore diet, I'll, I'll link to that. It's He's very uh, raw about it. Uh, what I can say is that, uh, and there's actually a good video that I found to help with that. So if you do embark upon this uh, journey to resolve any of your health issues or you have been interested in this and want to check it out further there's a video about the idea of bile and your liver being able to effectively produce bile and if you're getting diarrhea it's because there's an overproduction of bile that's being released into the colon if you are not getting enough fats then there's an underproduction of bile sometimes not always and that can lead to constipation. So often 
the first recommendation is to moderate your fat intake. So it can be too much fat or too little fat and you've got to kind of find your balance there with how much. Another supplement that's working wonders is milk thistle. It's a liver support. This I think goes back to just so many different things. Our livers work incredibly hard. If you ever took antibiotics as a kid or growing up or as an adult, that puts a huge strain on your liver alongside all of the toxins we're exposed to every single day as being humans on this wonderful earth. It's just sort of a part of living. If you drink alcohol, lots of sugary foods, you know, the sky's the limit on toxins. So our livers work pretty tirelessly day in, day out. And I can imagine why my liver is not exactly perhaps in the best shape or super primed and ready to eat this kind of diet. It's obviously, again, very restrictive and new for my system that was eating plant-based for a year. The question also comes up about pooping less. It is a thing. There's just not as much fiber. Is that a problem? People could argue yes. From the literature I've read, the answer is no. You don't need to poop all the time. But the answer that I like the best or what I've found the best, and again, this is something I'm doing in order to heal some health challenges that I've had and let my body rest while still getting adequate nutrition. But where I land is somewhere in the middle. And I think that it does make sense ancestrally that we would prioritize animal foods because they're so nutrient rich and dense and we were hunter gatherers. So I don't want to just say hunter and I don't want to just say gatherer. I think we were both. I think we prioritized animal foods because of the nutrient density. But I can absolutely see that we were foragers, women in particular in the groups they're nomadic if there were fruits if there were vegetables berries right we were planting you see there's some interesting tribes actually that still eat this way and they will plant tubers which so like sweet potato type of deal but the idea is that they're just as certain meats can be difficult for different people to digest plants can also be different and this notion of plant toxicity was another really interesting thing that i stumbled upon when i started down this path of a carnivore elimination diet because what plants are good (laughs) like what it never even dawned on me right like plant toxicity how do those two things even go together and yet the more i looked at things like oxalates and lectins those two chemicals they can be really big on being histamine promoting, which is me. I'll get kind of like the seasonal allergy or the allergy sort of thing. Like a lot of mucus kind of feeling. I, I got this as a kid. It's astounding how it sort of bubbles to the surface when I eat the wrong thing. Um, dairy, for example. I really can't take it, even though I love cheese. Very difficult if you're in Switzerland. <laughs> but actually in hard cheeses so even cheese right sheep's cheese goat cheese different response from cow's cheese different cow's milk a2 cows like there's this whole world that you can go into but back to plant toxicity different plants digest differently it's like whenever you eat corn it always comes out the other side very undigested right it's like why is that we can't digest whole kernels so does that make it instantly bad obviously not but it's an interesting thought what is easiest for our body to digest and so i think it's a spectrum just like everything else in life and i'm not going to vilify one thing or another i know people that olives for example are fine i've always detested the smell of olives i don't know what it is just can't stand it (laughs) 
the smell. Olive oil, fine for me, but like regular just olives, no good. But people say that those are less aggravating. So there's this whole list and I'll, I'll link to Paul Paul's work so that you can peruse around if you'd like to get more in-depth. Needless to say, I don't think that carnivore is necessarily forever. I do think that anybody removing processed foods, sugars, like artificial sugars and excessive sugars, you know, all the stuff they say is bad for us that tastes good. All those two things, if you can eliminate processed and everything with added chemicals, it's crazy now that I'm looking at things, everything has added sugar, even stuff that's salty, even stuff for meals, like different sauces or um, bouillon cubes. I was going to make a beef broth. And like the cubes just, I thought like, yeah, I'll just add one in because that's what you do when you make a bone broth. Nope, it's got like caramel sugar in it and all kinds of interesting things, chemicals. So it's fascinating once you start reading labels. I think you can do that without being carnivore. It's just the moment you can remove processed foods and sugars, you are miles ahead. And the last thing I will say about carnivore specifically is that, yeah, weight loss, yeah, Somehow I've been getting more sun. Like my body is actually absorbing the sun better, which isn't like I'm more tan. My skin is retaining the sunlight better, which is interesting. Um, I have been eating, as I've said, organ meats. So that's something that's important. If I get tired, sometimes I do have honey. So if I'm feeling like maybe I'm not moderating something properly. Full disclosure, I'm having potassium, magnesium supplements, so potentially, and so if you're thinking of doing this the very first month and even beyond, it could be that electrolyte supplementation is really good, making sure you have enough water is really good. If you're worried about vitamin C, supplement a a low-grade vitamin C, although there is science to say on a meat-based diet, your body actually has lower needs for vitamin C. That's an interesting scientific concept because of the way that it's digesting the meat it's a different chemical that it needs rather than vitamin c but the one thing that i want to say about this that has been astounding is that i am never hungry like not in the way that i was when i ate carbs not in the way like if i had a pizza i could also have pasta and then i could also you know have steak but the moment i have meat it's so filling and satisfying to a point that is almost indescribable I I don't have cravings I don't want (laughs) it's funny my mom's like but don't you want cake or or pizza or like don't you pasta my whole life I've loved pasta it's like don't you want it it is the only diet that I've ever adopted and I have done every diet under the sun I can assure you it is the only diet in my life where I don't feel hungry and if I do feel hungry I mean raven like I don't feel ravenous If I do feel hungry, I I eat a steak or some liver. I'll add butter, which is also, they usually say you should try tallow. But anyhow, I will, I'll have something to eat, some meat. And it's remarkable. That sensation subsides. And I have to eat way less than I thought. Like one to two pounds of meat a day. That's it. So if you think about one pound of meat, 365 days, that's 365 pounds of meat for me let's let's say 400 or 450 450 pounds of meat that i would be consuming per year for myself how much does a cow weigh that's actually a very good question i don't know 
but I would say that it's about one full cow. I mean, obviously I'm aware that I'm not eating one full cow because it's over the course of a year, but the idea is that Merrick, hey. Oh, wow, I was so off. That's 1,210 pounds of mature beef cow, such as Angus. Other cows, 1,500 pounds. Oh, my God. Wow. So, about, I don't know, 400, let's say. So, 1,200, a third of a cow a year. Now, again, I'm not trying to justify it. I get that there are cruelties happening with animal farming. That's not the thesis of this discussion. The thesis is I can heal my very troubling health conditions if I do an elimination diet that is wholly animal-based, focused on complete carnivore with ruminant meats. And I can tell you that to date, of course, there have been a few bumps. The digestive issues have been a few bumps, but I'm sleeping better. My skin is getting better. I feel feel clearer mentally i don't have the brain fog that i you get when you have like a pizza or something you know like it tastes really good but then you're like absolutely out on the couch none of that anymore my energy is so steady it's like steady throughout the day and i'm not drinking coffee right i stopped that after the three-day water fast realizing that that probably dehydrated me even further especially because it's hot outside right so no coffee and i'm not having any of these peaks and valleys in energy so i will report back when i'm done i mean like i said i'm on day 20 so maybe we check it out after day 30 maybe i decide to continue for a second month again i think the main point i want to reiterate is i think this can be value as an elimination do you have to continue it forever some people have seen amazing results however i think that there's a spectrum and if you're eating low plant Plants that are low in toxicity, so easy for humans to digest, I think that's absolutely great because plants are also brilliant. So this is something I'm doing to heal my gut, to heal my body, to feel better, and I'm sure I will be reintroducing blueberries and the like down the road. But for now, lamb and beef, detoxing, lots of water, and feeling really good so that was max crashing into the mic let me know what you thought of this mic hope this episode was interesting i'll link to all the cool stuff so you can check it out if you want to support the podcast please do your generous donations are the reason i have this amazing new mic to produce an awesome show for you i'm excited to keep doing so in the future so if you want to celebrate if you want to support the show, Max is asking you to as well as Tails. Like, come here. Come here. We're grateful that you're listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day.